It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. President Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev managed to reach agreement on arms reduction, arms limitation. A lot came out of that era, the Soviet Union versus the world, the United States at the forefront of the opposition and effectively the fall of the Soviet Union following that for other reasons as well. At a time when there are many discussions over Russia's actions, sometimes even uh, questions of what will Russia do? Could they possibly use nuclear weapons in the war in the Ukraine? Another nation comes into focus, China, which has now moved to more than triple its nuclear arsenal by 2035. And while the numbers are clearly part of the story, but not the whole story, uh, in fact, Russia is the largest holder of nuclear weapons, United States second, vastly outnumbering China. And not all are needed to be the equivalent of a almost extinction level event on the world stage should an actual full-blown nuclear war break out so what does this mean and are there other issues as lined or included on china's plan to expand their nuclear arsenal Scott Melby, president of the Uranium Producers of America, executive VP of Uranium Energy Corp., joins me now. Uh, Scott, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, David. It's great to be on your show today. Thank you. Let's dive right in. First, what does this mean? What has China said? What does this mean? What are the implications? Yeah, well, uh, even before the uh, Pentagon reports this week that showed that China's nuclear arsenal is expanding at rates greater than than we had previously expected. Um, We're in an energy uh, trade war uh, globally. And as you know, the the transition to green energy that the left is is hurtling us into has not gone very well. And so we're facing an energy crisis of our own making, if you will, Um, by going to unreliable renewables, wind and solar. Um, We have the ability uh, to produce our own oil and gas in the United States. We have the ability to produce our own uranium in the United States. We led the world in global production in the 80s, and now we're relying on Russia, Kazakhstan, and Uzbekistan for 60% of the needs for our nuclear power plants that provide 20% of our energy. So, you know, while we look at Germany's reliance on Russia and the jeopardy that put them in going into a cold winter, we also uh, are growing reliant on the oil and gas. We're begging Saudi Arabia and, and Venezuela for oil in, uh, in the U.S. We're, we're also looking to Russia. China is the fastest growing nuclear power energy in the world today. We're still the largest with our 93 nuclear power plants, but China will surpass us in this decade. And they take the long view. Um, you know, they they look at the, the requirements for their economy and, and whether it's electric vehicles and sourcing nickel, lithium, cobalt, copper, uh, or uranium for their nuclear power plants. They're out acquiring assets around the world and um, you know, securing their needs, uh, obviously without any regards for, for, our, for our industry. And I feel like we're a bit asleep at the wheel 
we need to be self-reliant on our critical minerals and our energy minerals uh, that drive our economy, that provide our energy, that provide our high-tech goods, and, and uh, uh, that drive our economy. And I believe we're falling behind the Chinese who are, uh, you know, we're more concerned in the U.S. Uh, over who wins American Idol than we are where we're going to source our critical minerals and energy uh, uh, needs going forward. And that's, that's of, of concern. But it's not too late. I mean, we do have the resources in the United States. We just need the political will uh, to uh, to become energy independent again. So a couple of things come together here. And, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, obviously, the nuclear arms component. That's what gets the headlines. But your points about energy literally can be the thing that affects us on a daily basis. Uh, uranium production, uh, you already summed that up, where we're getting our uranium. Uh, that is a part of the war on energy. Uh, we're closing down and decommissioning nuclear plants is uh, an incredibly lengthy process, but not building new ones to provide fast enough, combined with something that you mentioned earlier, clean energy green energy correct me if i'm wrong scott but nuclear energy right nuclear use of that to produce the energy we need to run society is in fact clean energy is it not yeah it's um you know nuclear power provides 20 percent of our electricity in the united states but it's a full 50 percent of our carbon-free energy that's a that's twice the contribution of wind and solar in the United States. It's as clean and carbon free as wind and solar, but it runs 95 percent of the time. So if you're a conservative, you love the reliable, affordable nature of nuclear power it runs all the time. If you are on the political left, you love the carbon free aspects of nuclear power. So in a dramatic shift, really, I would say in the last five years, I'm seeing Democrats and those on the left really coming around to, to greater acceptance of nuclear power. We're seeing that in the Biden administration, and we're seeing it on, on Capitol Hill, where uh, senators as diverse as Cory Booker and Cynthia Lummis or John Barrasso and, and, and Joe Manchin are coming together. They're agreeing that nuclear power has a, has a place to, to play in our energy policy going forward. So it is really, truly one of the few bipartisan issues, uh, something that, that one of the rare things we agree on. So it's not surprising Globally, we've seen, you know, 65 reactors uh, connected to the grid globally in the last nine years. We have another 60 under construction. Here in the United States, we're completing two large reactors in Georgia. But the real growth that I see happening now is in the small modular and advanced reactors like those that are going into Washington State, Idaho, Wyoming, where a, a coal-fired power plant that's phasing out by the end of this decade is going to be replaced by a TerraPower reactor, which is a, a company uh, built and founded by Bill Gates. Uh, Warren Buffett's electric utility company, Pacific Corp, is uh, buying that reactor, and it's part of uh, the DOE's Advanced Reactor Development Program, which is supporting three different uh, reactor technologies in those three states I just mentioned. So we are uh, taking steps uh, in nuclear power to grow again, and uh, it's not uh, surprising given its uh, reliable base load, affordability, and its carbon-free nature. So we can do greener, cleaner energy, but we've got to do it smarter. In the United States, we need to make the best use of our natural gas resources, which are abundant and competitive. We need to advance nuclear power, particularly in the advanced and small modular reactor front.
You know, when I think about the China component of this, and you talk about China building nuclear power, they also uh, build coal, build and open coal plants at an incredible rate. Uh, you know, now as we speak, and the big you know war on coal by the 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 in, the environment, and I don't really call them the environmentalists because real environment is to include what's good and lower what's bad. China, if they were to build more nuclear, could potentially become a little bit cleaner. We using it would be even more clean and then combined with something we do well with recapture for coal plants, we can do both. So what's the policy objection? Is it pure ideology, the idea that you can use wind and solar to power society? Yeah, it, it's really that that energy policy, it, it, not only in the United States, in Germany and Europe and elsewhere, has been founded too much on ideology and not enough on just the plain math and science. And that's why I think the U.S., you know, even uh, before the Biden administration, we, we didn't sign on to the Paris Climate Accords, yet we made more profound carbon reductions just through doing smart energy policy by switching, um, you know, from, from coal-fired power generation to the natural gas at half the emissions or um, maintaining our nuclear power plants and now beginning to grow them again. So I think, you know, we can have both, but we shouldn't have, you know, this isn't, this isn't virtuous, you know, we, we can't virtue signal with energy policy. This isn't banning plastic bags or straws. It's, it, it has, it's something that affects the competitiveness of our industries, our economy, our way of life, our standard of living, and even health and safety. And so, um, you know, we've, we've really got to get, regain, I think, more of an all-the-above energy approach that the conservative right has always embraced and make the best use. The U.S. is blessed with abundant energy resources, and there is even a role for wind and solar, but we have to recognize it's intermittent. It doesn't run more than 30% of the time over the course of a year. So we better figure out what to do with the other 70%. And frankly, out west, coal is, is, is one of our largest sources of, of electricity today. I don't see people building new power, uh, coal-fired power plants, but we do have to be thoughtful about um, you know, whether we you know, phase out those existing plants or how quickly that's done, because I think we, we really need to think about this uh, and not jeopardize our economy. Or, or, you know, if you need to know what the new Green Deal, Green New Deal looks like, just look at Germany. They embarked on that 15 years ago uh, to phase out uh, coal-fired power plants and, and, and shut down nuclear and go all to renewables. They have electricity rates that are now 60, 80, even 100 percent higher than their neighboring nuclear country, France. Um, they are, I think, producing more electricity from coal today than they ever have. So they made no carbon reduction, uh, emission reductions, even though they've been the most preachy on the global stage. Uh, and they've you know, forced themselves into reliance on Russian natural gas, which has compromised them in the whole Ukraine conflict. So, uh, we, you know, we don't have to make the same mistakes here. Uh, again, we have abundant uh, natural gas resources that, that should be used to their, their fullest extent. And uh, nuclear power is already a significant source of our energy and can grow substantially in the coming years. There's a, a final point to put on this, but I'll be following closely uh, what you and 
uh, the people at Uranium Producers of America have been doing. But, you know, for those who are concerned and we hear the debate over funding Russia's efforts in Ukraine, of course, they get a lot of their uh, their income from energy. Uh, there's an estimate of how much we, as a result of our purchases of nuclear fuel, uh, is helping to fund Russia and explain what's going on there. Yeah, it's interesting because we um, really on the onset of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Congress banned imports of, of coal, oil and gas from Russia almost from the very start. But we've yet to ban Russian imports, which are about a billion dollars a year uh, coming in enriched uranium and uh, containing uranium from from uh, Russia, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Why haven't we done that? Because we've grown too reliant on it. And that's the sad reality is that we um, we put our energy security in the hands of countries that don't share our values or interests. And now we're beginning to pay that price. Now, there are bills. Um, uh, before the Congress, uh, as we speak, that would ban Russian imports, uh, but we also at the same time have to revitalize our domestic capabilities of uranium refining, conversion, and enrichment to be able to, uh, you know, we, we really had that leadership and we let it degrade and we need to get it back up to a point where we don't have to rely on Russia going forward. And frankly, we need to keep an eye on China as they're growing dramatically and they're gobbling up resources around the world. We need to uh, really take a, a longer term view. And it's all energy security is national security. And we have the resources. We have over a billion pounds of known and likely reserves of uranium in the United States. We don't need to beg other nations for those supplies. So uh, at the Uranium Fuses of America, we're, we're optimistic. We're excited that our industry can really uh, get back up on our feet and, and be part of that energy security um, uh, initiative. Scott Melby, president of the Uranium Producers of America, executive VP of Uranium Energy Corps. Great information. Uh, and thank you again for the report on, uh, on the state of uranium and energy. And the facts matter here. I hope people will take this to heart and share it. Thank you. Thank you, David. Join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East on Sirius XM Patriot 125.